good. You know, we certainly haven't covered it all. But um, let's just have a word of prayer that the Lord will help us to maximize this time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for blessing today. And I thank you for each person that's here who've stuck with it. Lord, I just pray that you'll be close to them and encourage them and bless their efforts. Guide them, give them wisdom. And bless us as we try to wrap things up here. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this last session is just kind of where do we go from here? And I want to just... few minutes to to go over some things that I may not have gone over enough. Um, we've talked about these three books highly. Th this would be my list. Well, yeah, the list recommended reading. But there's this this market farming success is is a great um, great place to start. You know, it, it's written by the, the editor of Growing for Market magazine. Just kind of a good, good starting point for all the things you need to be thinking about when you're thinking of starting a market garden or market farm. So I, I recommend that for sure. Um, this one is, is another Elliot Coleman book. He is the expert on winter growing. He's doing it in Maine in unheated hoop houses so you can do it wherever you are now i don't you know north or south dakota um that that's that's pretty tough i think that's harder than maine um but anyway if you're thinking at all about winter growing don't even start without reading this book this is is definitely the handbook for winter growing. I would say, oh, I'm sorry. It's it's on your resource thing. So again, if you got all these, um, it's all there. The winter harvest handbook, excellent information, beautiful pictures. The pictures are amazing. This is another one that I haven't talked about at all. But this is really an excellent reference work, sustainable market gardening. This is a lady, Pam Dolling, in Virginia. So that gives you an idea. Um, very in-depth on, on different uh, crops. You know, I mean, she has a chapter that is has a tremendous amount of information on... You know, brassicas, your spring brassicas and your fall brassicas and planting dates. And it's really, a, I mean, you can see it's a big book, but an excellent reference that you can turn to for, for information on specific crops. I've got some catalogs that we use. Um, I won't talk about those, but this is the one I really want to plug this is Growing for Market magazine. Lynn Bozinski is the editor, and she has sent us magazines every year 
for the conference. I haven't put them out with the free stuff over there because I want to give you all first opportunity at these. Because this is specifically geared for market gardening. You know, I think it's I think it's $36 a year for 10 issues. And, you know, if you're on a budget, you may be thinking, I can't afford it. I would tell you, you can't afford not to have this magazine. Because I could tell you story after story of tips that I've gotten from this. Because this is all written by farmers. These are people in the trenches doing it. And, you know, every magazine, I mean, there are some, there are some issues that come out. And it's like, well, I didn't. I didn't gain a money-making tip for that. But, but when you do, and this is an excellent article. I'm so glad this is actually an old one. She said she kind of was wanting to get rid of some of the old magazines. This was March 2014. But the cover article is JM's article on the six best tools for the market garden. So you have it now. You can have it. Um, two of those are right here at our, well, actually... Three of them, because the Rotary Power Harrow is also here. So we've tried to provide you with the best here. Growing for Market. It's a excellent resource. I can't emphasize it enough. I, I, it's just a mystery to me why more people don't buy it. But I keep pushing it, and hopefully you'll be ones that take me seriously. Um, the only other thing I want to say before I'm going to ask some others to speak here is, and, and I think we've touched on this, but you know, how, how are you going to learn what you need to know? You know, you can either read books, which is a great place to start, read books and learn everything you can from others' experience, or you can just jump into it head first and sink or swim. You know, that's what we did. Although I did as much research as I could in those days. Um, you can go to school, go to a university and take agriculture. To me, that's that's the worst way to learn. Um, you'd think, I, I'm a teacher. Did you know that? I'm, I'm a teacher by profession. Um, but I'm not afraid to, to point out weaknesses in our educational system. Um, the best way, in my opinion, is to learn from people who are doing it. And, and um, of course, I know not all of you have the luxury of taking six months or a year or two to go work on somebody's farm. But that, in my opinion, and, and as I said earlier today, the farmers that I have seen hit the ground running successfully are those who've spent multiple years um, interning or apprenticing on other farms. So I thought I'd um, let two of our apprentices from this year come up and just share briefly. And, and this isn't about our farm. This is just about an apprenticeship experience. Um, briefly, what they learned 
or some of what they learned, hopefully. I'm a little scared about this. I hope they have something to say. Um, and then we'll kind of end with the Pearlie's testimony of their first year market garden. And we might have a little time for some questions and answers after that. But, you know, I just challenge you and encourage you, read all you can from those who've gone before and then visit farms, even if it's for the day. You know, Mrs. Pearlie came, what was it, for two days? or And was that helpful? Um, you know, you, how much can you learn in two days? I don't know, but you can, you know, you're just immersing yourself in it. You're, it's empowering to see that even if, if you don't do it all right, you know, you can still do it. I, I went to learn from a CSA, my wife mentioned the, the biggest CSA in our area. You know, I, I was thinking about starting a CSA and so I just called him up and said, can I spend the day with you? And it was very empowering. Their, their, their farm was a wreck. Um, and that's not all their fault because they had had to move off their other farm. This was first year on rented land. The weeds were taller than the plants. They used plastic though. That was the only thing that saved them. But, you know, out of this weed patch, they were they were producing these amazing boxes. And for me, who has a perfectionistic streak, you know, I want to do it all perfect. It was like, wow, even if it doesn't look like Elliot Coleman's farm, I can still produce. It's a work in progress. You know, it's like our characters. Um, they're not the perfect picture-perfect farm you want them to be, right? But, but it's a work in progress. The Lord's working with us. So get that exposure. Get that experience. Talk to farmers out there doing it, and the Lord will bless your efforts. Okay, here's Allison and Anne Elizabeth. Um, something that really meant a lot to us is just a balanced education and how important that is. Um, you can go to schools, you can learn out of books, but if you don't get your hands in it, not necessarily will you find it as enjoyable as you thought it would be. So that was very meaningful to both of us. Um, I remember one instance talking to Uncle John about, I don't exactly remember what it was, and I had a question about it, and he said, well, you know, do you have any other questions? And I said, I don't, but I feel like I should because if I have questions, then I can learn more. And just, um, how do I say this? Just his answer to me saying, well, if you ask me questions, then I can direct you. It was more of not so much wanting to fixate a certain object in my mind but helping, helping us to broaden our own understandings that would be beneficial to us personally because everybody learns differently. And how important that was, you know, it definitely was very good for both of us. Um, we, we've also discussed, the two of us, about apprenticeships versus college courses. And I know that was touched on earlier today, but um, again, having that hands-on experience before the books only um, makes 
my interest, our interest, deepen to be in the books. Um, so that was huge. One aspect that, um, well, um, one aspect that I really appreciated is with agriculture comes, you're in the soil almost all the time, if not all the time. And um, for me, the closeness to the soil just drew me closer to Christ in seeing how um, just the different minerals in the soil and how it just helped um, the seed or the um, seedling just develop and grow into what it was meant to be. And it just kind of reminded me of um, just the closeness that I felt there. It just encouraged me and just watching it I knew that I, that's what I needed in order to grow. I needed the closeness um, that the plant had with the soil that I knew that with Christ. Um, and also, um, for me, I um, hands-on is definitely easier for me to learn um, compared to book work. And um, I definitely felt that that was one of the most, the six months I learned the most that I've learned, I think, in all of my education, and it was just a wonderful experience. Another thing to touch on was responsibility and character growth. Um, that, was, that was very huge, just having each of us have our own area that we maintained. We each had, each of us had our own hoop houses, um, and they're the movable ones. So you had a certain, a certain plot that was for years to take care of, and basically in all in all areas, and that was really huge because that's how it would be if we had our farmers or you know, gardeners, and being able to experience what it's really like, where you don't always have the time to make it perfect, <laughs> and also tending to be a perfectionistic person, that really really grew me. Um, being thorough is a virtue, but speed can sometimes be more important. And, you know, that, that was huge. Just seeing how important that was, um, that was very huge. And it connects with fidelity in the smallest things. Something about farming is the littlest things always come out with blaring results. You can't do something in a slipshod manner without realizing it later on and feeling the, well, feeling the pain later. Um, also, just the hardening of character that's that was huge also in an, any learning setting you're going to find things about yourself that you may not exactly appreciate and as well as other people and so learning to get along learning to accept what is not beautiful in you and being willing to acknowledge it and for the lord to continue to work in you it's kind of like when we we seed, we have our little transplants and their starts, and you keep them sheltered in a greenhouse to grow, and they get, you know, strong enough to tolerate a little bit. You, you set them outside, they harden, and that's how it kind of was for us, is you, we were hardened by the, at times, inconvenience, at times, you know, frustration, and yet having that experience only makes us better for who we are and just really finding that even inconvenience is really our friend sometimes in this 
completely all-consuming world of convenience. So that's about it. Thank you, girls. I tell you, we had a great group of apprentices, and I just want to say how I was so proud of them because, you know, we it seemed like we had a lot of rain this summer, and I can remember some days where they got soaked two or three times. You know, I mean, the rain comes and goes, and they're out there harvesting, and, you know, a little rain, that's kind of fun, but when you get soaked to the skin and it's just dripping but not a word of complaint. You know, they'd go get changed, get dried up, and here it would come again. And um, So those kind of things, you know, it, it is good for character development. And um, praise God that, that he gives us the opportunities to, to have that character development. Okay, let's hear from the Pearlies now. Do you want this on here? Okay. Thank you, John. <clears throat> I appreciated that testimony. Did they? Did they just leave? Oh, there they are. Yeah, I can. I can agree with the character development, one hundred percent, about gardening. I'm Fred. This is my wife, Lilia. We come from very different backgrounds. I'm from Florida originally. Uh, I grew up there gardening in sandy soil. So I had to learn really quick how to uh, amend the soil. Have any of you lived in Florida before? So you know, just it's kind of a losing battle, right? And uh, the water is just terrible there. And so I learned how to compost there at a very young age. And I didn't know it, but later on I'd have a passion for gardening. Uh, I kind of hated it back then because my dad said, if you don't work, you don't eat. So and he was a military man, so he really pushed gardening. But I learned some valuable lessons for the future. My wife, she's from Russia, so she had a different background, working in beautiful soil, very thick topsoil there, long growing days. And when we got married, we decided to move out into the country and uh, grow our own food and raise our kids out where it was clean air. And that's Matthew there at the computer, and Reuben there is our middle boy, and our youngest little girl is Adelina. Matthew, go ahead, and we're going to go through, if you can <clears throat> put on a slide. We just want to show you some slides here. And Pardon me? Where we live. Right now we live in north-central Arkansas, and so everybody has to have humble beginnings, and this is our little encampment on our property. We had 40 acres, maybe only two acres were uh, tillable, tillable, if you want to call it. And we, we camped on, on the property for several months while we were building a, a, basically a workshop and then a little uh, a room to stay in. Go ahead. And, and we lived in a tent, hauled our water. This is our very first garden. It's a little 50 by 50 plot. We had some guy come in and just, actually we bulldozed it a little bit our grapevines here. As soon as we cleared it, the weeds came up all around. You ever been there? But this is our, this is where we were, this was our workshop right here, 50 by 50, where we just learned. We didn't know a whole lot about composting. We didn't know about uh, mulching things. Go ahead and flip the, 
But we did, I was a carpenter, so I, I, I kind of learned how to experience building some structures to keep the deer out. And this is how we, huh? Cedar. Yeah, cedar from our property there. Go ahead. And some trellises just nailed together and baling wire for some melons here. And go ahead and flip another one. This was uh, another trellis for some Armenian cucumbers. Go ahead. And we just planted peppers and, and some watermelon up there. As you know, it's not very mulched. But we were just beginning, and you can too. The most important thing is just to get out there, and with what knowledge you have and what you read and what you've heard, and we appreciate John. He really inspired us last year and his family and all the speakers. We were inspired to move forward. But again, this is humble beginnings. Go ahead. And there's some radishes my daughter has. Go ahead. This is from that watermelon patch. It really inspires the children to, to go forward when they get something like this. Go ahead. An Armenian cucumber there, Ruben's holding. And we've learned a little bit about mulch. Uh, this was from, a, we found out there was a mushroom uh, factory that grew, you know, these nice shiitake mushrooms. Well, you know, we like mushrooms, but we were more interested in the stuff that they were growing in. And it wasn't manure, it was barley with millet with some other materials that they put in. It was organic. So, hmm, we, let it, we got the rotted stuff, loaded it up for $5. So that's part of learning to begin from scratch, is just put together whatever you can find, look around for your natural resources. Again, use what you have on hand and the knowledge that you've learned in meetings like this, and just do it. Go ahead. And we, we put the stuff here. We made some new beds. See these rock piles over here? There's some along in here. They all came from right here. We dug down about a foot and pulled back layers of this rock. And uh, then we, there's worms all through here. And we just went ahead and, and built that up for the following year and kind of let it sit a little bit and let the worms really work in there. And, uh, boy, they really love that stuff. And we planted, go ahead, I think we planted garlic. There's Reuben there putting some garlic in there from the following year that we preserved. Go ahead. And then we rotated it with some uh, winter squash or butternut squash and acorn squash for our CSAs that we're giving out now. And punk, yeah, my daughter said there's pumpkins up here somewhere. But go ahead. If you notice, too, we learned some structures like a terracing with cedar logs. Again, here, use what you have to keep from erosion. Garlic plants, these are Russian garlics. They survived our winter without any covering um, from Bashkiria, where my wife's from. Feel free to speak up. <laughs> Go ahead. And then we, we kind of, if you're seeing a natural progression here, we went from summer garden and we said, hmm, we're getting tired of fighting bugs uh, organically, we, we we don't use hardly any sprays, and if it if it is, it's going to be an organic type spray, or we just pluck these things off. Uh, but then we started getting interested in fall gardening. Uh, we were inspired by John's gardener when we first came to Tennessee last year. He took us on a tour, or there was a tour going on. I don't know if you were there, but I think your brother was there, Edwin, and we were just amazed at his high tunnels. And so we begin to create these little miniature uh, high tunnels or little hoop houses, kind of like caterpillars. And out comes these things here. They're well protected by 
by what we had to cover them. Go ahead. This was after an ice storm came through. You can see the snow kind of crushed everything of these little teeny hoops that we had. Snow here. We had some spinach in there. Go ahead, another slide. That spinach surviving through the winter. That's amazing, isn't it? So um, the Lord really protected. And that's another thing that I learned is to really rely on, on God and Christ. I've done a lot of kneeling in my garden uh, based on, you know, issues with my own character. And uh, I remember we ran out of water for 10 weeks. Our, our well pump uh, got struck by lightning. And uh, we had to haul water from a lake, gallons after gallons, just to keep our garden surviving. And uh, finally, instead of praying for rain, the Lord finally spoke to me and says, pray for more strength to, to haul more water. And uh, so I did, and, and he gave me that strength, and we survived it. Go ahead. And these are some of the cool, loving crops that we're beginning to get used to, to learning how to farm. Cabbage, go ahead. And Lil, you want to, this is something special. Okay. Um, after last year, we attended, like I said again, we were very inspired by what we heard. And we heard there was grants, there were grants available for uh, high tunnels. So we applied. My wife had a dream to have one of these things. And what I see is more work for me. But what she saw is possibly a way to get us together as a family and stay at home and, and have a business working together, much like what my brother here, John's talked about. And so we prayed and prayed, and we asked the Lord if it's possible, if we get a grant for this, that might be a, a, a real sign, a step forward, that this is what we need to do. And so that's what we did, and we applied for a grant. And sure enough, I think there was five that applied in our county, and we were the ones that get that one. The Lord blessed us with that. I would like to add something, because I'm a dental hygienist by profession, and I'm still working part-time. And I was praying for the Lord to open the way so we could have family business, stay home. And I was convicted, after a lot of meditation, reading Spirit of Prophecy in the Bible, um, that the Lord wanted us to start this. I talked to my husband. He was not completely convinced. So we came, actually, at that time, we came to Adagra, the first conference last year. And it was just the definite for me. It was, yes, this is the way, walking in it. My husband still was, well, it's more work. We're not quite ready. We're not there yet. We're still, our living conditions, we still work, live in the workshop. So I prayed to the Lord, and I said, Lord, if you will provide us the hoop house, we applied for the grain on November we never heard till springtime, yes or no. If that will mean, that will be a sign from you, yes, this is the way we should go. And out of all the applicants, we were the only family that got approved in the whole county because the funds got reduced for the hoop houses. So that was definite. Say, so, yes, this is for you. God gave it to us. And I was convinced. <laughs> So, how are we going to put this thing up? We, we went ahead and um, we had to put up front, those of you who have had experience with the grants, sometimes, most of the time, you have to put the money up front and then the, the agency will send you the check. So, we did have to put an investment first. But how are you going to put it up? 
uh, when it came from Deerfield Supplies, actually Scenic Acres, who works through Deerfield, and I think there's some catalogs I saw around there over there. Grab, grab some catalogs from Deerfield, and in it's a very good company to work with. And then Scenic Acres, who carries this, this type of greenhouse, different kits, uh, the man there is just, he bends over backwards to help you. Elton is his name, very friendly young man. But anyway, it was just myself and the boys. And so we worked together to, to get this thing up. Go ahead, Matthew. I just want to add, the reason why it looks so funny, it doesn't look like a hoop house, because we're crunched on time. We really needed to put, just like Brother John said, there's schedule for certain vegetables, and we were not meeting the deadline we wanted to do CSA this year, this winter, and we were not there. So I cried last night. I said, that's it. We're not doing it. We're quitting. I was very emotional. And Fred said, well, even if with one CSA member, and we have it sitting right here, and praise God for her um, faith in us. It's our church member. She's here. She said, I'm buying everything you have. So I said, okay, even if one CSA member, we're going to do it. So we Quickly put the shade cloth because that's, the, in my opinion, that's the only way to start cool loving vegetables. It will help a lot with germination to have shade. So that's why it looks kind of funny because we're in the process of building, but we were not meeting the deadlines. So we just threw this and planted. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the logs here, too. This, if you notice, we're kind of on a slope. It's about two foot difference from here down to the 34 feet, the width. So the logs are kind of a terrace to keep the the uh, soil from ending up after five years down to the bottom. So that's why we use the cedar logs from the clearing here. Go ahead, Matthew. Um, this here is just a greenhouse. It comes in handy when you're growing your little seedlings for the CSA. And, and my wife uh, asked me to build that last year or two years ago, I think it was. And uh, much of it's from salvaged material that being in construction, I just you know, found up, and some of you husbands know what I'm talking about. Your wife sometimes may not understand the need to hoard things, you know, to grow in the future, but uh, I felt the need to keep some of these boards, uh, metal, actually two-by-fours, and then we bought the polycarbonate to go on the top, which really worked out well. Go ahead. And, and here's us planting in the hoop house here, the first little seedlings that came out from that, and feel free to Jump in here in the last few minutes. We're almost finished here. Go ahead, Matthew. If you can do it. And that's kind of, they're just starting to come up there. We still hadn't put the plastic on yet. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of <laughs> going at it, trying to get this in, because it's only a certain uh, an envelope of time to get these things in the ground before they stop growing, we've learned, you know. So go ahead. It's 34 by 80 long. And then... Um, there, the way we put the sheets on, I don't know how, how you did it, John, but we just, I tied a little tennis ball on the edges of the plastic with a climbing rope, old climbing rope that I used to have. And we flipped the climbing rope over and all of us, four of us got together and we just yanked on three and pulled it over the top. And you know, it, it comes in certain, I think it's 48 foot, I believe, wide and it fit just perfect just where we wanted it, and the Lord had it just right. Um, go ahead. And the plants started getting, this is some lettuce. 
Yeah, it's a little bit bigger. When we get back, it'll probably be bigger, hopefully. Touch soy. Go ahead. Yeah, then we have some arugula and lettuce there. Go ahead. That's a shot from the side. What we did is add some panels, some polycarbonate panels here. Uh, we have problems with rabbits and other creatures that like to roam around out there. And then some roll-up sides here to keep it ventilated. And, and I, put, I had a car, polycarbonate doorway, a six-foot by eight-foot, six-wide by eight-foot high. And then up here, I uh, put polycarbonate. And on the top, there's a vent. I saw John's, the way he vented his, and I says, I want that style. I, I like that vent up there. So we, we ended up putting, we're getting a vent made on hinges somehow. I'm not sure how you got it set up, but... However way you can do it, keep it ventilated well. And, and these are four-foot centers, these posts, two inches, two inches thick, a little over two inches. And because we have ice problems in Arkansas, it might be a good idea to keep trusses, have a greenhouse, I mean a high tunnel with trusses for loads because we get a lot of ice storms and just ice just settles there. Although this is a Gothic, and I've learned that a Gothic-type High tunnel is better and it's well drained, so we went ahead and went with that. Go ahead, I think we're finishing up here. This is outside. My wife's a little embarrassed by some of the projects going on here, but these are carrots, cool loving, and radishes. And you see the the the, uh, the, the holes here. It's organic gardening. It's a root crop, but the holes were made by overzealous cucumber beetles and grasshoppers. Cucumber beetles will eat anything if they're starving. So go ahead. This is, um, you want to talk about a CSA box? Uh, the, I'm not sure where, it's, where we got it from. Maybe you can, if you remember, so the others might know. The box that we got, um, Brother John recommended us to get this one, and we are very happy with it. It's called Crop box. You can just Google it, called crop box. It's all um, plastic. How do you call yeah, it? Yes, corrugated plastic. Corrugated plastic. Very nice, very professional. In fact, someone, someone noted that. that yeah, because um, I delivered one box to one lady and she said, this is it, because you can clean it inside. Um, because another, some people deliver it in cardboard boxes and it collects mold and moisture, she said, I'm not even buying from them. And she said, another person just throws the veggies in the car. I don't want to buy it from them either. I want it like that. So if, you can, if you're interested in CSA, that would be a really good option. Um, How much are they? Well, they have two options, half a bushel or three-fourths of a bushel. We bought three-fourths of a bushel. And I think with the shipping, it was not too much. It was like $14, something like that, in that range. It wasn't too bad. Um, yeah, when we deliver the boxes, they usually bring their own bags, and they we take the boxes back and we clean it, and it's it's foldable. That's what's really nice. When you go home, it completely becomes flat. You can just pack it flat. Yeah, they're very very nice and. Um, and the, we try to present the vegetables, I'm sure you've heard that, in a kind of a nice way so it looks inviting and uh, really pack it in there. And We're still learning this process. We're, it's just 
it's a learning experience and, and just get your feet wet. That's the most important thing and with the knowledge that you have. And another thing, aspect that I've been learning is the willingness to serve, use this as a mission, an evangelistic tool. Um, we were impressed last year at the conference. That was a big emphasis and, and we agree. It's really helpful. In fact, from this, we've had one particular individual, individual not an Adventist person, who got involved. Actually, my wife met her at a GMO forum or a, or a presentation. She made a little, my wife made a little presentation, and this lady started talking about wanting to sign up to our, with our CSA. Now she's wanting to come to the, our church and have a cooking class. And so it's a way to introduce people into our faith because our drop boxes or our farm boxes are delivered at our Seventh Amos Church. We, we make that a point, so they come right over there and pick them up. And so it's, a, it's a, an evangelistic tool um, in that way. Just before we left uh, for this conference, and it got a little chilly, and so um, you can't see the cables here, but we stretched some cables across, and we have some big row covers. This is some ones, old ones that we had, these uh, row covers. They're called Agrabon. Uh, I think it's a lightweight, but we're going to use a medium weight now for to cover and keep the plants warm for winter harvesting and to keep them um, protected. And we put cables across running this way, and we're going to be draping a whole wide sheet all the way across the whole length. So all we have to do is take a few persons here, here, and here in the aisles and just push them to the middle, and maybe that side push it to the middle, and we can get what we need and harvest and then bring it right back across and sliding it across the, the cables, walking down the aisles. Uh, John had that clever idea of mentioning, and so huh, I'm going to take advantage of that. So you see what I mean? The, the things that are shared here and there are really helpful. So listen, use a few principles. I'm not saying you're going to do all of them that's, that's uh, offered, but just take a few and, and go at it. Um, Pardon me? Yeah, she was saying that the cables are attached here. I just made them out of rebar, some some uh, spikes into the ground. I had a vise and just made a loop on the rebar, and I put a couple rebars in the middle to support it with loops and just tested it and made sure everything slid over the top of it. And I wish I had a picture of it, but I don't. We'd, um, in the beginning, I wanted to have about... Si 10 CSA members. And then as the time was progressing and the hoop house was not up and I got discouraged, I said, that's it, Lord. I don't want to have a number. You give us the number. You give us so many members as we can support because I don't want to be embarrassed in January and say we don't have anything. So God gave us 10. It's actually three and a half. Three, I'm sorry, not 10, four. Three full and one half. But that's Perfect. You know, for us to learn, I look not so much at numbers, but I wanted experience. And even if we have one member, please don't get discouraged. Just go ahead and do it with one member. It's just to go through that. For us, it's winter CSA. For you, it might be summer CSA. It's actually perfect opportunity to experience the whole thing, just to go and deliver the baskets, go talk to people. And um, even with one person, I would still do it. I do want to mention about marketing because that's why we're here. How did we market? We did do everything what you suggested earlier. But um, another thing, uh, 
I think it's very important for people to see what you have, especially the first year. Nobody knows what you're going to offer, how good your quality is going to be, so people are kind of shaky about that. So we, because we delivered in church, it just happened one day that I delivered it when everybody in the church was there. It was not Sabbath, it was another day for another reason. When people saw what we had to offer, we had so many people wanted to get, sign up for next year. So we already have a lot of potential members that actually, when they see it, they want it. Or like uh, Kirsten earlier mentioned, like a farmer's market, when they see the box, they want to sign up. Then also I walked in a health food store right after delivering the boxes, and they had only hookeray turnips, I mean really tiny, like two bunches. That's all for the produce. I said, would you be interested? We have locally grown, organically grown, not certified. Would you be interested? They said, oh, yes, bring over. How much do you want? So, so, so. We delivered like $20 full of produce next Thursday for them. So it's just a foot in the door to let them know that who you are. So just walk around. Then um, I always had the bad idea that marketing is like, oh, I don't want to brag about myself. But then at Baker Creek on a, during Spring Festival, they had really good marketing classes. And it's actually, you should not feel bad about marketing. It's not so, you know, don't be shy about it. Just tell the world that, and don't be shy to say, yes, you do have something special for them because you do work for it, and it's really good quality. So the word spread around. We have neighbors that actually buy it, and they just call me and say, what do you have? I say, we have this, 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 and we meet somewhere like five minutes from my house, and they pick it up, all of it. So just different options. Yeah, we live about two and a half hours from a big city, Springfield, Missouri, two, two hours about, yeah. And we live way out in the middle of nowhere. We live about an hour from Ava where we go to church. So anybody can really do this if you just talk and you're excited and you have a passion for gardening. So go ahead, Matthew. I think this is, that's the last. Oh, yeah. That's what I wish I was doing. Um, but not, any, not too much anymore. Every now and then I do get to rest, though, with my children my wife. So that's most enjoyable. I think there's just a one-minute little thing of the, of the. I don't know if you can get that, Matthew. He put something together for the uh, hoop house just to show you kind of how it went up a little bit. Okay. Thank you so much, Pearlies. That was amazing. I think I need to come learn a few things from you. <laughs> um, God is good. You know, I don't know if you noticed that I don't even know how to put it in words, but um, this is a very, this is a very um, emotional thing. You know, people share, and I, I can't even explain it. But it's it's so raw, it's so um, it's just. I mean, you you are dealing with. Um, I, I can't even put it in words, but anybody, you know, as, as they're sharing and I can hear them kind of getting choked up, you know, we're over here getting choked up because it's just, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing, but it's such a hard thing, you know, can, I, how it can be both. I don't know, but it's just, 
Um, it's, it's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, okay, I, I think I'm going to stop talking. We've talked enough. Please make sure you get one of these. We've also got all these handouts. We're going to just give those handouts to everybody else. I don't want to go home with them, but um, I, I will just say one thing. There's two handouts here, Tools for Gardening Success and Recommended Tools and Equipment for the Market Gardener. Um, we really didn't talk about a lot of those things, and we've got tools we really didn't talk about. My son, one of Jonathan, is doing a presentation, I think it's on Friday, specifically on tools. So he will be able to do a little more in-depth if you're interested in that. And of course, you can ask me afterwards. But um, I trust that, that it was time well spent. And um, yeah, the pearlies, you know, just do it. That was Nike's ad, but, but I think God is calling us, just do it. you got to put your foot in the water. You know, if you're waiting for, all, for everything to line up perfectly, you're going you're gonna to be waiting a long time. But God is looking for people who will go forward by faith. And as you do that, he opens the Red Sea. Okay? Let's just close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we've spent a lot of time here today, and I thank you for each person who's stuck with it. And Lord, I just pray that you will plant in their hearts the seeds that you want to be there. We're not saying this is for everybody, but you know those who are here, their convictions. I just pray that you would work in each heart, in each family, in each situation. Continue to draw them and lead them on the path you want them to take. Bless us through the remainder of the evening and um, through the remainder of this conference, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.